The process of applied functional science is the transformation of the notion into the motion. From the Gray Institute, I'm John, and this is the Gray Institute Podcast. Hi, this is Kelly from Gray Institute. You are cordially invited to join Dr. Gary Gray, father of function, and Doug Gray for the Chain Reaction two-day live virtual experience, a two-day seminar that will provide immense value and immediate impact to your craft. Chain Reaction will empower you, the movement professional, to better serve and enhance the lives of your patients and clients in the areas of analysis, rehabilitation, training, and prevention. Register at www.chainreactionvirtual.com. The Chain Reaction two-day live virtual experience is November 7th and 8th, 2020. You will have access to the event video and content for 30 days, even if you cannot attend any or all of the two-day virtual event. Group rates are also available. Please call Gray Institute directly at 517-266-4653. Features and benefits for each seminar registrant. An ebook for the two-day presentation, access to the event video content for 30 days, even if you cannot attend any or all of the two-day virtual event. You can earn CEUs, 16 and a half contact hours, based upon passing the exam, followed by your certificate. You get to learn and experience applied functional science firsthand from the source. So register at www.chainreactionvirtual.com and we will see you online on November 7th and 8th. Gray Institute is internationally acclaimed for its innovation, development, mastery, and delivery of Applied Functional Science, AFS. AFS is based on scientific truth, not theory, of how the human body moves in all three planes. AFS allows movement professionals like you to apply the best, most effective, and most efficient movements to any individual based on specific needs and goals. For 40 years through training, education, and mentorship, Gray Institute has equipped over 150,000 professionals with comprehensive knowledge in the principles of applied functional science. Whether you are a physical therapist, personal trainers, athletic trainers, chiropractors, strength and conditioning coaches, coaches, physicians, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, osteopaths, physical therapy assistants, or kinesiologists, our goal is to help you become the go-to movement professional. The Gray Institute podcast is questions-based. You send in your questions and we'll discuss them. If you're listening and have questions, email them to info at grayinstitute.com. We join Gary as he discusses optimal body movement and function for our clients. From Gray Institute, I'm Gary Gray, and this is another in a series of Gray Institute podcasts. Welcome, everyone. As I uh, reflect on podcasts and me listening to podcasts and me attempting to do some podcasts that stimulate thought and hopefully uh, engage and empower and encourage others. I realize that one of the limitations of podcasts is you can't see the thing. Uh, Any of you who have been following Gray Institute over the last maybe 20 or 30 years realize that we do a lot of videos. 
And that's because we're kind of in the movement world and you need to see the three-dimensional movement. It's one thing to describe a right foot, right rotational lunge with a bilateral hand, uh, right rotational reach at knee height, and understand that we're loading the right hip in all three planes of motion. I can say that, I can nomenclate it, but it's so much easier to see it. So therefore, in this episode of the Grand Institute webcast, I'm gonna stay away from movement nomenclature, and I'd like to just share a few stories. And sometimes I think I'm a pretty good storyteller, and sometimes I realize I'm not. What's intriguing about me telling stories is, at the end of the day, when I reflect back on the stories that I've told, it's usually things that I'm struggling with. It's things that I don't do well. It's things that are right at the forefront of my mind and I am wrestling with. And this particular group of stories uh, is no different. And these three stories have to do with respect, different types of respect, different aspects of respect. Um, my take on potentially even what respect is. Uh, but I think I have three stories that you might enjoy, uh, three stories that I certainly enjoy telling. Uh, I try not to embellish them too much. I, uh, that's one of my other big weaknesses. I have a lot of weaknesses, but that's one of them where I tell a story and I've told it so many times that I can't remember if it's the exact truth that I'm telling or that I made up some new things as I went along and I embellished it. Uh, so I try to go back and try to be as objective and truthful as possible, but I can't guarantee that. Uh, so the first story uh, is a story I told yesterday to a friend. And it's a story uh, about an opportunity that I have every once in a while here in my community. I've been in my community now for 45 years. And since I'm an old guy, sometimes uh, people like to have old people talk to young people. Um, and I'll be invited into a school system and I'll be invited in to share. Um, sometimes they'll share with me what they want me to share and sometimes they tell me I can share what I wanna share. In this particular case, it was a middle school, a um, couple hundred kids, um, and they wanted me to just come in and share. They have, were having what they called a um, uh, kind of let's get started in a, on, on the right foot this year assembly. And uh, they, so they wanted kind of a rah-rah. And so I was ready for a rah-rah, but when I walked through the door, the uh, principal said, uh, I don't know if they told you, but we want you to talk about respect. And I kind of looked at her and I thought, well, I wasn't ready for that one, but I'll give it a shot uh, because I think it's really important. Uh, the problem with that is, is I, you can't just tell a group of 200 kids, you got to respect each other. If it was that easy, we'd all respect each other. Um, so there's got to be another way to try to share that. And so what I did is I, first of all, got them up moving. They were all in the bleachers. So there wasn't a lot of room to move, but I was in a big gym. So if I needed to move them down, I could. So I had a kind of a plan for that as well. And I had them move and I had them, I taught them quickly the three planes of motion. I had them take their hands above their head and move them forward and back and side to side and then rotate. And then the next time I had them do that, I had them do it, but I wanted them to watch the person next to them as they were doing it. And then I wanted them to watch the person on the other side of them do it. And my question to them was, 
did any two people do it exactly the same or even close to the same? And the resounding answer was no. We all did a common thing, but it was entirely different because of our uniqueness, because of our size, because of our flexibility, because of a lot of things. And I wanted to engage that as a way to let everyone know that we are different and that respect begins and ends with our differences and not our similarities. So I went on to say, I bet the person you're probably sitting next to, unless the teachers assigned your seats, which usually in the gymnasium, they let them just all run in there and just sit up on the bleachers. I bet the person next to you is a lot like you. They probably smell like you. They think like you probably might even be the same color you are, might even go to the same church, uh, probably are dressed like you, might even be on the same travel team. I just kind of went on and on and on on similarities. And I got a lot of head nodding like, yeah, that, that's pretty close. And what I want you to consider is understanding and realizing that as we develop, as we want to give back to the world, the best way we can do that is not by embracing our similarities, by, but by embracing our differences. And I said, so look across the bleachers here and kind of look at somebody that maybe isn't the same color you are, maybe isn't the same size you are, doesn't come from the same neighborhood you do, doesn't dress the way you do, doesn't think the way you do, doesn't sing the way you do, certainly doesn't do the three planes of motion uh, the way you do. And let's consider learning more about them. Let's consider maybe this year getting to know them better and understanding their story uh, and taking advantage of their story to understand what respect really is. So I was humming. I, was, I thought I was doing pretty good. Um, I, I, I had them. Uh, they were listening. They were nodding. They were laughing at the right time. They were frowning at the right time. They were scowling at the right time. Um, and things were going really good until one young man raised his hand and said, uh, Mr. Gray, I want to know who the most famous athlete you ever treated was. And I kind of giggled and I thought that was a funny question. And a couple other kids kind of rah rah in. And there seemed to be like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, that does sound kind of fun. Instead of this old guy telling us about respect, it'd be kind of fun to hear about these people that we all respect because they're on TV and they're famous and they make a lot of money and they uh, throw footballs and they shoot basketballs and they uh, kick soccer balls and they hit golf balls and they do all this and we admire it. We respect it. It's like, wow. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to see if I can take advantage of this train of thought. So I said, um, because of confidentiality, um, I can't tell you those people. Some of you know that you've seen uh, some of these types of people that you're describing to me that we have a lot of respect for um, come into town and the word gets out and so-and-so is here and so-and-so is here. And, but I can't tell you who they were. It's a confidentiality thing. In fact, if you came to my Gray Institute, you wouldn't even see pictures of them up on the wall. Um, that's just something I don't believe in. Um, but um, I'll make a deal with you. If you can guess the athlete, the person that 
before I saw him, I was so nervous that I was shaking, that my armpits stunk a little more than they normally do, and that I was spitting because I just couldn't articulate the words. In other words, I had so much respect for this person that I was intimidated already before I had the privilege to evaluate them and try to help them. If you can guess who that person is, I will do, as, as they knew because they're part of our free-to-play program, I will do our matrix squat thrust. Now, I promised I wouldn't give you much nomenclature here, but a burpee or a squat thrust is where you go down and do a squat and put your hands on the ground. You kick your legs back, come bring your legs back up and you stand back up. It takes a lot of effort for us old guys. But of course, you know us well enough that we're gonna do that in 3D. So we're gonna one matrix squat thrust would I be going back and kicking my legs in sync in the sagittal plane. Then I would do them out of sync in a sagittal plane. It would look like a mountain climber. Then I would uh, come back up and then go down and kick my legs in sync side to side in the frontal plane. And then I would spread them and then cross them, which would be out of sync in the frontal plane. And then you already know we're going to kick them back and rotate them all one way, come back home, rotate them the other way, uh, and then rotate them by toeing in and toeing out. So we're going in and out of sync in the transverse plane. So those six squat thrust burpees would be considered one. Uh, and I said, if you can guess who this person is, who's on my mind right now, I will do 10 of those. However, uh, if you can't guess who that is in the next five minutes, you need to come down out of the bleachers and you need to do 10 of them. Are you in? They got five minutes to figure this out. So they're in. They're, we had them. They're rumbling, rumbling going on in the gymnasium. So they started naming names. Some of the people I've seen, some of the people I hadn't, but I couldn't say yes or no to those. All I could say is that's not the person I'm thinking of. That's not the one that, with because of respect, um, made me so nervous. And so they just kept naming names. Some names I didn't even know. Uh, some were uh, from NASCAR. Some of them were from uh, skateboarding. Uh, some of them were from, of course, the typical sports. Um, and so as they would kind of plow along for the names, I would, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. And that's not it. That's not it. And they got down to crunch time. They are panicking now because uh, six times 10 is 60. So that's 60 burpees. And uh, so they knew what that was going to be like. And they had about, oh, 30 seconds. And I said, hey, got about a half minute here. And I looked up way in the upper left-hand corner of the gymnasium, of the bleachers. And there was a young man standing with his hand in the air going, ooh, 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 ooh. And I immediately got a big grin on my face and I said, Horshack. And all the old teachers started laughing. Not, not, not old, old, but ones that were my age because they knew I was referring to a character in Welcome by Cotter by the name of Horshack, who would always raise his hand and always ask a question or answer something, not inappropriate, but just they'd always laugh at him. It just wouldn't be right. Uh, and this was Horshack. Man, this kid looked like Horshack. He acted like Horshack. And he kind of looked around after I said Horshack. And he says, my name's not Horshack. My name's Jimmy. I said, I apologize. I said, uh, you reminded me of somebody. Of course, the younger teachers are looking at me like, wow, this, this guy's a little nut, nutsier than they uh, claimed he was. So I uh, said, so Jimmy, do, do you know who, who I'm thinking of? And he goes, yes, I do. 
And I go, well, I said, uh, are you really sure? And he goes, yes, I am. Well, this guy's staring at me and I'm thinking, uh-oh, uh, he might be onto something here. But I'm thinking, I don't think so. So I said, hey, do you want to double down? He goes, what do you mean? I said, do you want to double down on the bet? He goes, I don't know what that means. Well, it means if you get it right, I got to do 20 times six, 120 burpees. However, if you get it wrong, you guys got to do double. And uh, so all the, everybody, every one of the kids in there started yelling, no, no. <laughs> so they, they knew Horshack wouldn't get this. So I go, okay. And right as I'm asking him, he's staring at me and I'm thinking, oh boy, this guy, this guy's got it. And so I just, okay, Jimmy, who, who is this person that earned my respect so much that I was just so nervous I couldn't stand it. And I just didn't want to let this person down. He stared me down and he goes, it was your mom. I immediately got down, started doing my burpees. Took me a while. They were laughing. I was struggling. I stood up, out of breath. I looked at Jimmy. I said, how did you know that? And he got a big smile on his face and he says, I was just thinking, who would make me that nervous that I wouldn't want to let him down? And he goes, I think it would be my mom. And I go, Jimmy, if you got that, and kids, if you understand that the person next to you, your next door neighbor, your mom and dad, earns your respect more than the people that we see on TV or on movies and things, I said, you're well on your way to living a life that you're gonna be really productive and really satisfied. I said, that's not what society tries to tell us, but I'm here to tell you that's the truth. I said, if a highfalutin athlete comes flying in on their Learjet and I can't help them, they get back on their Learjet and they go somewhere else. However, if my next door neighbor, uh, my mom, uh, the person that in my community trusts me comes to me and I can't help them, they don't have a Learjet to get on. I'm, I'm it. They're stuck with me. Um, I have the responsibility. I have the, um, uh, I, I need to respect them, believe it or not, even greater than I would those other icon type people. Now, hopefully I don't, hopefully I respect them the same, but if I had to choose who I wanted to honor more and respect more and be intimidated more, it'd be by my mom and my neighbor and the people who trust me. Um, I think they got it. Uh, I know they remembered it. I know, I, I've seen a number of these kids later and they, they remember uh, me struggling on the uh, burpees. Uh, they remember uh, the story about my mom. Uh, they remember understanding respect and hopefully and prayerfully they, they've applied it. Uh, so that's a story I really enjoy telling and I always uh, uh, just get a big smile on my face kind of looking up in the stands and seeing Horshack there and him realizing who I was talking about. Another story emanates from our very first year we did GIFT. Now GIFT uh, this year is gonna be our 15th year. GIFT is a Gray Institute for Functional Transformation. For those of you who don't know, it's a 40-week mentorship program that uh, we have the privilege of rubbing shoulders with about 1,100 professionals from around the world. The best of the best. So we all get to a point where we say, do I wanna become the best uh, that I possibly can be? And uh, we believe uh, we developed a program that allows you to not only create a foundation for that, but to be able to grow the rest of your life, not only professionally, but personally. Now, a big part of GIFT is 
what we call tridoxical. You've heard me say that a billion times, which means everything's 3D. So we teach sagittal frontal transverse plane, we teach mobility, stability, and endurance, we teach neuromusculoskeletal system. Uh, we, everything's 3D, including, we believe, a human being is mind, body, and spirit. And so if you're kind enough to say, yes, I'm gonna invest in gift, and I'm gonna invest in my profession, and my personal career, and my ability to know more about the human body and the human mind and the human spirit than anybody else in order that I can take care of the body, mind, and spirit of the person in front of me, well then, I'm here, I'm here for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to gift. And so the very first year of gift, of course, knowing that we'd be putting about six to 700 videos online, um, we wanted to make sure that the platform worked. And so Dr. Dave Tiberio, who's our dean and who's the brains behind the operation, said, you know, I think what we need to do is give them assignment before week one that's not really an assignment, but to see, first of all, can they uh, respond to what we want them to respond to and can they post? In other words, can they write down, hey, I saw it, I got it, I'm ready to go. Because for, for 40 weeks, you get an opportunity to interact and post and learn from each other and to be able to communicate uh, on the computer, believe it or not, 15 years ago, wasn't that, wasn't that common. Uh, now, it's, now it's real common. So what we do in gift is we send you a gift box. And in the gift box, we send you a lot of stuff. We send you a big binder for all the literally thousands of papers of PDFs that accompany our videos. And we send you books that are significant. And we send you other videos. And we send you, we send you stuff to let you know that your gift to us um, is you being there. And we want to give you gifts, not only through the next 40 weeks, but hopefully for the rest of your life. And so... Dave said, so what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? I said, well, in our, in our gift box, we have a thing called a NUMA. If you've never heard of a NUMA, look it up, N-O-O-M-A. I have to just type it in, uh, and it'll come up on YouTube. And a NUMA is a brilliant, sometimes 10, 15, 20-minute um, movie. It's literally a movie. It's done with that, that type of uh, uh, expertise in class. Uh, of a gentleman by the name of Rob Bell talking about something, and it's usually something spiritual. Uh, one of my favorite is on breathing. Um, and, but in this particular case, we had a pneuma in the gift box that was called rhythm. And it's one of those that, okay, when you, when you watch it, it stimulates some thought. Um, it doesn't throw anything down your throat, doesn't uh, kick you you know, kicking the groin or anything. It doesn't, you know, it's not, we didn't think it was offensive whatsoever. All I wanted to know is could you watch it and could you log on to your gift website and could you say, hey, I watched it, it was pretty cool or thank you or I'm ready to go or this is exciting. Uh, that's all we wanted. And so we sent out the instruction, hey, you got your gift box already before week one, watch NUMA, the NUMA, and uh, do me a big favor. Um, just go ahead and um, post that you saw it. And if you want to comment on it, great, but that's not the, that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to have you let, let us know that you were able to follow the directions and respond accordingly.
Well, the Numa is interesting. It's a, this particular one on rhythm talks about uh, the concept of God and that God is kind of, in some of our minds, built on the outside. Uh, in some of us, it seems that God is on uh, the inside. And so the, the question in the particular videos basically ask, well, where is God and who is God? And what do you think about when you hear the word God? What, comes, what image comes to your mind? And what do you think in your life maybe has helped you shape that image? And then it goes into the rhythm of all. It says the song is playing all around us all the time. I'm quoting right now from Rob. The song is playing everywhere. It is written in our hearts and everybody is playing the song. See, the question isn't whether or not you're playing a song. The question is, are you in tune? Are you in rhythm, so to speak? And what does that mean? What does that mean for us? Um, and he kind of concludes with, may you come to see that the song is written on your heart already. I added the already. And as you live in tune with the song, in tune with the creator of our universe, may you realize that you are in a relationship with the living God. Kind of cool. Um, but uh, one of our gift fellows, uh, a gentleman who I knew not real well at the time, but knew, respected, loved uh, because of what he's done and, and uh, just just who he was, uh, wrote back and said he watched he watched Rhythm um, and wasn't happy whatsoever. In fact, he not wrote back one paragraph, he wrote back five full pages. Uh, and Dave saw it before I did. So he got a hold of me and says, we have a problem here. And I said, well, what kind of problem we have? We got somebody that's, uh, uh, I think the phrase he used was pissed off. Um, and so I said, well, let me, let, me, let me see what you're talking about. I read it and I go, yeah. I said, kind of. I said, the first paragraph, I think he let us know what he's thinking. I said, but when you read closely the next four and a half pages, he's sharing with us his belief. He's sharing with us his uh, view of God. He's sharing with us what's deep in his heart. He's sharing with us what makes him tick. And I said, that's huge. That's, he didn't have to do that. All he had to do was to say, uh, if you think I'm going to put up with this kind of uh, Christian crap, you're nuts. And you can send me my refund right now. That He could have done that. Uh, his first paragraph was close to that. It was like, if I have to put up with this crap the rest of the time, then um, you can count me out because this is not what I signed up for. I, I want to know about the subtailor joint. Uh, I don't want to know what you believe. Uh, and I don't want to necessarily have that thrown at me. So what I, what I did is I read the thing again, and I, every time I read it, I go, wow, I didn't know this about the Jewish tradition. I didn't know this about this. And one of the big differences that he shared is that for some of us, religion is very personal. We don't wear it on our sleeve so much. It's, it's, uh, it's not, you know, na-na-na-na-na, you know, I, I'm, I'm this and you're not. Um, and that kind of struck me. That, that struck me real hard. So what I did is I called him. And I was fortunate, I got him on the line and he had time and all I simply said was thank you. I said, I don't know if you know what I mean by thank you, but I've read this a couple times and I've learned a lot and I understand where you're coming from. Um, and I'm here to tell you that um, one of my goals uh, during this year is to learn more about what you believe. And he said, really? I said, yes. I said. Uh, I'm just like anybody else. Once I get uh, indoctrinated to something, everything is tilted that way. 
and everything is slanted that way. Uh, and I said, I've been, I've been slanted my whole life. Uh, and I, I haven't been open up to the Jewish tradition or the Buddhist tradition or the Muslim tradition or anything else. I said, I've been, um, I've been kind of cuddled with a, what we would call a Christian tradition. Uh, and I need to know more about what you know. And he goes, really? I go, yep, so that's your responsibility. Um, I said, but however, um, just to let you know, throughout the year, you'll be learning as well as what I believe too. I said, I, 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 it's impossible for me to share with you gift and the miracle of the human body without sharing with you behavioral drivers, what, what really I think makes people tick. And the more I think I can share about what makes me tick and what makes Dave Tiberio tick and what makes all of our faculty and facilitators tick, the more you'll be comfortable with sharing with all of us what makes you tick. And I just wanna let you know that I respect more than ever what you did and I want to respect more than ever what you believe and know. Now, I, I said, now, that doesn't mean I, in my desire is to necessarily be swayed. And I said, I hope and pray that you know that my desire for you is not to be swayed. Uh, however, that's, that's maybe not all that truthful. Because when you really, really, really believe deeply in something, you want your everybody else to kind of believe it because you really believe it's the best. However, in, in, in this realm, um, I, I believe understanding and respecting somebody else's view and realizing I don't have to necessarily accept it is key. A big, big difference. Um, I, can, I can respect what you believe, what you're doing, what you think, but I don't have to, I, I don't have to accept it. It doesn't have to become part of my life. I don't have to, I don't have to believe to, for me, it's to be true. And that's hard for me because sometimes I equate respect with accept. Um, and it isn't. Uh, and the rest is history. Me and this guy uh, are uh, probably best of best friends. Uh, we have a relationship that we may not talk for four or five months and all of a sudden we're on the phone and it's like we talked just yesterday. Um, I love him and his family dearly. Uh, he's so intelligent, it's crazy. Um, he has so much beautiful perspective uh, that it's um, just beyond comprehension. Uh, and I respect what he believes. A little asterisk to that is a year or two later, my son, who was going through seminary at the time, my oldest son, Brad, uh, decided he wanted to learn more about the Jewish tradition. And instead of just learning it uh, from others, he went to Jerusalem University College, JUC uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, for a whole year. And so I got to learn even more uh, through my son and gain even more respect uh, for the Jewish tradition. So that was, that was more than an added bonus. Um, so I thought maybe you'd enjoy, enjoy that story. The third story just happened recently and I thought I'd bring this up because it's happening a lot right now. And it's a discussion of politics. And am I the mo biggest idiot on politics? I am ignorant. Um, 
I, I do a little bit of reading, but everything I read is slanted. I don't think I've ever read anything that wasn't slanted. Sometimes people say, well, you need to read objective stuff. And uh, boy, when you get in the realm of politics, I'm not sure if that, I think that's an oxymoron. Um, objective politics might be the biggest oxymoron in the world because we all have our slants. We all have our beliefs. We all have our needs and wants and our greeds. And based on whether or not the new law gave us more money in our bank account or uh, matched up to what we believe is to be true or that person seems to be nicer than the other person, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what it is. But I was talking to, again, to a very dear friend, gentleman's 10 times more intelligent than I am, reads more than I, I, I would ever dream of doing, uh, very well-rounded, knows everything about everything. Mr. Trivia, um, don't want to get into jeopardy with him. Uh, kick, he would kick my butt quick uh, in everything. Um, and so made the fatal error, and I'm not sure who brought it up about the politics and what's going on in our country today. Um, and literally was initially kind of taken back because he had a point of view a little stronger than I thought he would have. Um, and my initial instinct was um, kind of like, well, maybe, maybe I'll toy with him a little bit. He knows I would do that or maybe argue with him a little bit. But because of my ignorance, I, I just said, you know what? I'm ignorant. Um, what you may be saying is true. What I potentially believe and, and think to be true may not be true. Um, I don't know what happens inside of politics. I have no, what, no idea what happens inside the legislature here in Michigan uh, or what happens in Washington, D.C. Uh, I know there's uh, one news program that slants one way and another news program that slants another way. And as we know, n neither one of those uh, is objective. I know there's different groups out there that write articles and blog and post and, and they claim that, hey, we have the truth. And, and I said, I just, I'm sorry, I, I just don't know that. But he continued to uh, indicate that kind of what he read and what he thought was the truth and that everything else was uh, based on ignorance. And even to the point where I don't think he purposely uh, called me ignorant, but he did. Uh, if, if I if I believe different than he does, then, then I'm kind of ignorant. And I kept hanging in there um, and just kept asking questions and didn't really play my cards. But by, by me not agreeing with him, uh, he knew I was playing my cards. Uh, and so he kept, kept kind of kept coming. And I, and I kept asking myself, what's the goal of this conversation? Well, the goal of the conversation would be for me to continue to respect him, which I do, and to understand his point of view, but not necessarily accepting it. Now, there comes a point where I might uh, respect something so much that I look into it myself and say, you know what? I am going to change my mind or I'm going to change the direction of my thought process a little bit based on this new evidence, this new knowledge, this new truth, this new wisdom, this new belief. Um, but in this particular case, um, it was interesting that I became even stronger in what I believed by respecting what he was saying uh, and as understanding even more, realizing that, you know what, I, I, I feel even better about what I believe to be true and what I want to do. Uh, the same thing happened with my Jewish friend. Um, 
again, I, I uh, one of the things that I remember a teacher tried to emphasize to me when I was young is to know, really to know why you believe what you believe. Don't don't just do it because your mom and dad did it, or don't just believe it because your next door neighbor, or because that's what your gang is doing, or uh, that's what the tribe that you're a part of. Uh, believe it because you believe it. And we, we believe that in applied functional science. Understand the truth, from the truth, know the truth, and develop strategies, and from that, that's how you act, that's your techniques. The other difficult part about that is what's truth and what is a belief, um, because there's a difference. Um, that there's certain things I can believe that I can't prove. I believe um, that my mom loved me, but I can't necessarily prove that. It's, that's, a, that's something that's a little more abstract. Um, I believe uh, she clothed me, because I can show you the clothes that she gave me and she put on me, which is a reflection of her love. I know she fed me, I could show you meals and you could see that, but there's a difference between something objective as uh, here's fried chicken that she made me and I ate it and here's her love for me. And in our world, sometimes, at least I know I do, I get that wrong, I get it. I, I, I sometimes believe I have to respect something that somebody really believes is an objective truth when in reality it's how they feel. It's what they believe. Uh, it's their faith. It's their understanding of politics. It's their understanding of who's right and who's wrong. Um, and so I'm trying really hard to sit back and go, uh, in order to respect it, I can't poo-poo it. I can't ignore it. Now, that's one of the things I do. If I if I sense that I did, uh, don't respect something, um, I'll ignore it, or I won't look into it, or I won't read about it. Uh, I won't try to understand it, um, and that's a complete failure on my part. Uh, respect is really getting to understand that other person, that other thing, that other point of view, that other um, religious belief, that other political belief, that other belief, and maybe in our world how to how to create an environment to facilitate uh, getting somebody's back to feel better, or how to assess somebody functionally, or you know, it's it's, it's okay. There are certain things that I can objectively quantify and prove, uh, but there are other things that I go hmm. I need to understand this better, uh, as opposed to go, yeah, that, that's not me. Uh, because the more I respect and the more I understand, one of two things will happen. Uh, either uh, I'll grow in my understanding and my view would change and I might end up doing or being or accomplishing something better, uh, or I get stronger in my own belief, which gives me the confidence and uh, the, um, kind of the, what I'd call the shit grin on my face that I, I think I'm, I'm heading down the right road for me uh, and they're heading down the right road for them. It's not the same road, but I really respect their road and um, hopefully I can live a life where they respect the road that I live on too. So um, I just thought you'd enjoy those three stories about respect uh, on our podcast. A lot different than we've done before. Uh, but uh, maybe it struck a chord in you. Maybe it uh, made you think about something. Um, and uh, if nothing else, um, for me, it just keeps reminding me that uh, God made us all different, made us physically different, mentally different, and spiritually different. And we need to embrace those differences. Uh, without that, we're, we're missing everything. 
Um, and um, we just uh, just really need to try to appreciate where we're all coming from. We all have a story. We all have multiple stories. We have multiple backgrounds. We have multiple things that have influenced us. And the more we understand that, the more we can really love and respect that other person and um, hopefully be there for them. So hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, uh, I, I've enjoyed sharing it with you. And I just hope that you have a blessed day. This is John. Thanks for joining us here on the Gray Institute podcast. At Gray Institute, our goal is to do one thing the best we can, and that is to help you become the go-to movement professional. If you have a question for future podcasts or questions about anything Gray Institute offers, including education, live or online specializations, or mentorships, please email us at info at grayinstitute.com. If we use your question on air, we will send you some cool stuff. Be sure to look for our next podcast coming soon. Have a great day. Move your body, move your body, come on, move your body.